Hey, if you're kind of new to Harvest Point, you might be thinking to yourself, man, where is this church going? Disney? And Yeah, well, uh, we're having a blast this summer. We're, we're um, enjoying some of the Disney classics, and we're relating them to the gospel story. And uh, as I shared with you every week, uh, the Disney stories are always spoken to the, uh, to the, the heart of the human condition. There's stories about trials. There's, there's stories about hardship. Many times there, there's stories about, um, you know, what's happening in our lives. And the Bible is God's response to the human condition. So every week I'm taking a Disney classic. We're just having fun with this this summer, a Disney classic that we all love. And I'm relating it to Scripture, and, and we'll be sharing from the gospel this morning. So let me just, as, as we begin this morning, let me make sure that you have an outline in front of you. Do you have a worship guide? Anybody need one of those real quickly? I see a couple of hands. If you need a, a, need a worship guide, just keep that hand raised. We'll get one to you as quickly as possible. And here at Harvest Point, we always take notes when we study God's Word, so hopefully sitting right in front of you there in the, in the chair is going to be a pen where you can take notes, and hopefully you've got your Bible sitting out there in front of you. Now today, we're going we're gonna to be using the uh, Disney classic Peter Pan, all right? Last week was Lion King on Father's Day. This week is Peter Pan. Now I got to tell you, I'm just going to be honest, Peter Pan, I've enjoyed it, but it hadn't been one of my favorites. But when somebody found out, actually, it's Jose. By the way, don't you love Jose who bangs on the bongos? Hey, Jose, I see you back there, brother. I was watching Jose play those bongos this morning. I was thinking, man, I wish I could play the bongos. Uh, Jose came up to me earlier, and he said, Peter Pan, that's my favorite. That's my jam. I was like, all right, let's, let's talk about it. So we're going to be talking about Peter Pan today. Hey, what's interesting about Peter Pan is it was released in 1953, and it was Disney's 14th animated movie. Now, in 1953, it became the highest grossing film of that entire year, um, Peter Pan did. And then I think Disney, they're pretty smart over there. They re-released the thing in 1990, right? And then it made even more money, naturally, all those years later. So what's interesting about that is, you know, for me and my wife, we were having a lot of our children in the, in the 90s. And uh, for a lot of children, with that re-release, they got reintroduced all over again to Peter Pan. Now, you know the story of Peter Pan, right? I mean... I know some of you probably, let, hey, real quickly, who has never seen Peter Pan? Raise your hand up. Some of you guys, there's, come on, don't be, uh, hey, there you go. There's a few of us. Yeah, at least five or six of y'all. Um, we're going to get to watch a little bit of it today. Uh, Peter Pan, you know the story, right? Peter Pan is the classic tale of a little boy who doesn't want to grow up. And um, he comes across this family called the Darling Family who live in London. And the Darling Family, the children are Wendy, Michael, and... John, that's right, Wendy and Michael, I'm seeing, I'm seeing if you know anything, I don't have any gifts to give away, but a little bit of trivia, um, Wendy, Michael, and John, and if you know the story, Wendy, Michael, and John have a certain amount of anxiousness that they're going to have to grow up one day, and so Wendy every night tells them stories of their hero, Peter Pan, who fights pirates and, and who lives in Neverland, and, and Peter Pan is their hero until one day Peter shows up in their bedrooms and he whisked them away, their hero, Peter Pan, whisked them away off to Neverland to be with the lost boys. And the whole point of the story is, why should you have to grow up either? Why don't you just come be our mom and never land and tell us the story? So watch this little clip and let's be reminded of what this movie's like. My stories? But they're all about you. Of course. That's why I like them. I tell them to the lost boys. The lost boys? Oh, I remember. They're your men. Uh-huh. I'm so glad you came back tonight. I might never have seen you. Why? Because I have to grow up tomorrow. Grow up? Tonight's my last night in the nursery. But that means no more stories. <laughs> no, I won't have it. Come on. But, but, but where are we going? The Neverland. Neverland? You'll never grow up there. Oh, Peter. It would be so wonderful. But wait. What would Mother say? Mother? What's Mother? Why, Peter. A mother's someone who, who loves and cares for you and then tells you stories. Good. You can be our mother. Come on. Now, just a minute. I... Let me see now. I have to pack. Oh, and I must leave a note when I'll be back. Of course, I couldn't stay too long. And then I have to... Oh, Neverland. Oh, I, I, I'm so happy. I, I think I'll give you a, 
a kiss. What's a, a kiss? Oh, well, uh, I'll show you. Oh! Stop! Stop it, Tink! Tinkerbell. Don't know what got into her. Hello, Peter Pan. I'm Michael. My name is John. How do you do? Hello. Oh, look, a firefly. A pixie. Amazing. What's the pixie doing? Talking. What did she say? She says you're a big, ugly girl. <laughs> I think she's lovely. Well, come on, Wendy. Let's go. Where are we going? To Neverland. Neverland? Peter's taking us. Us? Well, of course. I, I couldn't go without Michael and John. Oh, I should like very much to cross swords with some real buccaneers. Yes, and fight pirates, too. <laughs> well, all right. But you gotta take orders. Hi, I saw. Me too. But Peter, how do we get to Neverland? Fly, of course. Fly? It's easy. All you have to do is to, is to, is to. Ha! Huh, that's funny. What's the matter? Don't you know? Oh sure. It's. It's just that I never thought about it before. Say, that's it. You think of a wonderful thought. Any happy little thoughts? Uh-huh. Like toys at Christmas, sleigh bells, snow? Yep. Watch me now. Here I go. It's easier than thought. He can fly. He can fly. He flew. He flew. All right. You know, uh, what's, in, what's interesting about Peter Pan and movies like these, they almost take us back to our childhood. Don't you love it? Um, they're in, they're, they endure, and they're endearing at the same time. Now, what's interesting about this, this kind of movie is, and just like The Lion King last week, it speaks to adults as much as it speaks to kids. So this movie was made for kids, but it was definitely speaking to adulthood as well. Now, I want you to think about something with me. What's interesting, if you think about it, is that usually it's not the kids who are worried about growing up. It, the kids aren't the ones who are, are saying, I'm afraid to grow up. Normally, kids, when they make play and they make pretend, they actually pretend and they're making play as grown-ups. They're oftentimes being lawyers and doctors and mommies and daddies. I mean, I remember this because a little trivia here. I bet you don't know about me. My name was Steve Jackson. I was on the SWAT team. That's who I was as a kid. I was pretending that I was going to grow up one day. So it's oftentimes not kids who are the ones who are worried about growing up. Listen, here, think about it. Oftentimes, it's the adults who are the worried ones. We look at our little kids. As a matter of fact, what a great display this morning of all these little kids down here up front singing, right? We look at our kids, and we're worried because we look at them, and we think to ourselves, why do they have to grow up so fast? And, and that kind of thing stays with us sometimes as adults and certainly as parents and maybe even as grandparents. We think to ourselves, and we look at them and think, why are they going to have to grow up so fast? It's going to happen so quick for them. As a matter of fact, here's another worry I think sometimes that adults have. We look at them, and we look at their innocence and what they've got going on in their life, and sometimes when we get to be adults, so many, so many, so many years later, we look at ourselves and we wonder to ourselves, is there something we lost in the process here? Is there something across the years that, that was important that we didn't quite hold on to as we became adults? So this morning, I want to kind of study one scripture. Now, many times as I'm preaching to you, I will share a lot of scriptures, okay? Matter of fact, that's almost every week. We'll cover a ton of scripture. Today, I'm going to preach from one scripture. I've hardly ever done that, but today we're going to drill down on one scripture, and it's a classic scripture, and it's a scripture that a lot of people have heard before, but I want us to kind of hold on to it and squeeze it and wrench it out and try to understand 
what Jesus was teaching. It was found in Matthew 18. So if you have your Bible, if you have that outline in front of you, I want to invite you to read this scripture with me as we think about what it means when Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of heaven. For those who will inherit the kingdom, they must become like children. So famous scripture, Matthew 18, 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you remember this story, other gospel accounts say they were actually arguing as they went down the road, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus had heard them arguing or he knew what they were talking about. So they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a child whom he put among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to read that last part one more time. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, I first read this scripture a a long, long, long time ago. And I wondered to myself, wonder what Jesus really means by that. By the way, Jesus was a master teacher. So for him to take a visual demonstration like he often did. He would do that with trees and bread. He did that with seeds. He did that this time with a child. He brought a child in front of them and he said, listen, this is what you've got to become or to change and become like to inherit the kingdom of God. You and I need to pay attention. I remember as a young Christian when I read this, I'll be honest with you, I didn't understand it. It it seemed like It seemed like Jesus was trying to convey something that I couldn't quite get the mental leap towards. I couldn't quite put my arms around it. I knew it was was eternal truth, but it was something I couldn't quite come to grips with in my own heart. And so I want us to talk about it this morning. But before we talk about it, can I just note a couple of things about this passage? Jesus is not talking to children. The, The audience that he's talking to is not a bunch of children. And he's not bringing a child up in front of a bunch of children saying, listen, You need to stay a child. That's not what he's teaching, okay? He's not saying, unless you remain a child, then you can enter the kingdom of heaven. That's not his audience. Jesus is talking to adults, okay? He's talking to people just like you that I'm getting to talk to here this morning. He's talking to people who have jobs, who have careers, people who have families. They have responsibilities. He's talking to people who've already grown up, and he's talking to them with a child. And he's saying to them, less, not, not unless you remain a child, he's saying, unless you change and unless you become, you turn and become like a child, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is really talking about here is two journeys, all right? I'm going to talk to you about those two journeys real quickly. As a matter of fact, you got your pen in front of you. Let's talk about the first journey first, okay? He's talking about two journeys, the first journey. The first journey is, is kind of an understanding as he's even talking to these adults, the first, ter- the first journey is growing up the first time. The journey of growing up, write that down, growing up the first time. So as Jesus is talking to these adults, what he's saying in this passage is that part of being in the kingdom is growing up. You, look at you. You've grown up, right? What he was talking about here, and I put a few bullet points there in your outline, he's talking about the life of grown-ups, and we know that life or at least a lot of us in this room, I know we got some teens in this room, but a lot of us know the life of a grown-up, right? A life of a grown-up means we've learned to accept responsibility. We're not trying to shirk responsibility and push it off on somebody else, right? We know what it's like to pay bills and pay them on time. We know what it's like to try to manage a household and manage a family. We know what it's like to have to be a good employee or a good employer. We know what it's like to to grow up, so to speak, in this world. We know, it's, unfortunately, we have to pay taxes, right? We know what that's like when that comes around every year and the, the labor of it all, right? We know these things. We know what it's like to not be selfish, but to sacrifice for something bigger than ourselves. And so Jesus is, underst- the very understanding, kind of the groundwork, the foundation of this teaching that Jesus is going to teach is this understanding, as he's talking to adults, that the first journey you're going to make is that journey towards growing up. Now, let me, let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you what he's not talking about. Jesus is not saying, well, it's okay to kind of get older, to kind of grow up in your body, but not grow up in, in your responsibility or in your character. He is not saying it's okay for us to kind of get older, but to shirk and be immature or shirk our responsibility. That's not what he's talking about. The first journey is a journey where you're not, you're not, you know, you're moving away from selfishness 
and you're learning towards a place of sacrifice. You're, you're moving away from a place of immaturity, and you're moving towards a place of responsibility. You're moving towards a place of accountability. So Jesus is not talking about these people. By the way, you and I have met them, right? We know them. There are people in this world who may be older, but to be honest with you, they're very immature in their, in their soul, and they're very immature in their character, right? They want to shirk responsibility. They don't really want to have to work. They want somebody else to pay them, to, you know, to pay, to pay how they live and to pay their bills. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the first journey is a serious journey of maturity where you grow up and you learn how to grow up, right? Now, what's the second journey? Write this one down. The second journey is a journey to become like a child. And in Jesus' in his, his understanding of what he's trying to teach here, he's talking about two journeys. There's a journey to grow up and become responsible, become a, a mature adult. And now he's talking about a second journey. If you're going to inherit the kingdom, you've got to become like a child. Now, what's interesting is when you read that scripture, there's a lot of different words that, that people who translate the Bible use. The word in the, NI, in the NRSV that I used this morning was change. You might want to underline that in that top scripture on your outline. Change. That word is also sometimes is translated turn, but it always is translated in a way that, that something has got to change or revolve or turn and go a different way than you've gone thus far. All right? So if you've grown up and you've become mature, now you've got to change and you've got to become something else. Now, when I was a young Christian, I would read this passage and I guess I was simple-minded. I didn't see deeper levels of it. And I could only grasp what I kind of feel like are the top levels. And so in my mind, I would ask myself, what is a child? What is Jesus trying to communicate? And my mind would go to places like, you know, when I was a child or when I saw my, ch my own children jump off the side of a pool, right? Faith. I thought maybe Jesus is talking about faith. Because children have this beautiful, innocent, but, but full faith. They just trust us. If you tell a child something, normally they're going to believe you, right? They're going to believe you, and they're going to trust you. And there are all these beautiful moments with a child where we say, hey, jump off the pool, you know? A little girl was talking to me last night, my, one of my nieces, and she was so excited. She's, she's so small, and she jumped off the diving board for the first time this week. That was a big moment for her. It was a moment of faith for her. So as a young Christian, I thought, well, is Jesus talking about, I've got to have that kind of faith? And by the way, I think he is talking about that but I think there's more. As a young Christian, I read this, and I thought to myself, well, is he talking about innocence? I mean, we look at children, and they don't know all the evils of the world. They haven't seen all the bad, bad stuff that's in that world that's out there, right? There's a certain amount of innocence and holiness that they are already have because they haven't experienced all the wickedness and the heartache and the problems and the, and the terrible evil in the world. Is Jesus talking about, that's got to be me and you? Do we need, to have, we need to go back to that kind of place of innocence before we got tainted or maybe even cynical or, 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 or some type of thing like that with the world? And by the way, I do think that's part of what Jesus is talking about, but I think it's more. So here's my hope and prayer. This morning, I got a second stool, and I've asked a child to join me on the platform, and he doesn't have a clue what I'm going to ask him this morning. And I'm just going to spend a little few moments in front of you, like Jesus did, in the hopes that when Jesus brought a child in front of all those adults that were sitting there, that their eyes were open, and maybe more importantly, listen, their spirits were opened to what Jesus was teaching them about as adults changing to become like a child. Now, Anthony, would you come on up, buddy? Thank you very much. As Anthony comes... Um, let me tell you this, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to get to introduce Anthony's family because they're some of our newest members in the church. And um, they kind of hold down and anchor that back row on the right-hand side up there. Uh, Fred, I'm going to need that microphone, if you will. But I look forward to them introducing them. How cool is this? You're getting to meet Anthony, and Anthony's only really been a part of the church here maybe for a couple of months. So, hey, would you welcome Anthony? Hello. <laughs> Anthony, thank you so much for joining me up here. So I'm going to ask you some questions, uh, but before we begin this morning, uh, Anthony happened to be here uh, with VBS this week, and I pulled him aside for a minute, and I said, hey, would you do me a favor? Would you let me interview you this week? I'm just going to ask you some questions, and he said, sure. As a matter of fact, he actually said it was going to be maybe, yeah, you remember what you said? Would it be like the, yeah, you said your microphone. 
The Ellen Show. The Ellen Show. He wondered if it was going to be like Ellen, okay? I said, I'm probably not going to be nearly as funny as Ellen, okay? Remember to hold that microphone up, though, for me. And there was another thing I asked him to do. I said, now, the toughest part of this whole thing, remember what I said? It's going to be holding the microphone. Microphone, that's right. Going to be holding the microphone up to your mouth. And, and you, remember what, you remember this story you told me? You were not very excited about that microphone, were you? No. Uh, why? Hold it way up. I sound like a squirrel on helium. <laughs> he said, not the microphone. We went to Myrtle Beach last summer and we did karaoke. I sound terrible on the microphone. All right. So I'm just going to ask you some questions if it's okay. And, and I'm going to start by asking you what grade you're in. Um, I am moving to fifth. Moving to the fifth grade. And you, do you go to school or how, what do you? I do homeschool. Homeschool. All right, with your mom. That is that fun? Uh, microphone. Microphone. Uh, sorry. All right, microphone. Just keep it up there the whole time, all right? Okay. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's good for your mom, right? All right. Great. So do you get grades? Uh, yeah, it's like at the end of a test, it like shows a bunch of check marks and X marks. Okay. Are you nice to your teacher? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to roll through some questions, all right? Did you eat breakfast this morning? Um, breakfast here, yes. You ate here? Yes. Okay. Church gave you breakfast this morning. That's pretty good, right? Are you going to eat dinner tonight? Mm, yeah, probably so. Probably so. What do you think you might eat? It changes every night. Does it? it? Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, I ate that yesterday. I don't want it. Okay. Are you worried? Like about this or? About food. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I'm worried I'm not going to like find anything to eat and I'll just go to bed hungry. <laughs> Does that happen very often really though? Um, not really. Not really. No? I try to avoid it. They actually feed you? Yeah. Who feeds you? Uh, Jane, either, either her or seeing the purple shirt in the back. Yeah. Either her or him. Who bought you those clothes? Right there. Right there. All right. You didn't buy them? Microphone, microphone, microphone. Sorry. All right. So you didn't buy them? No. So I guess my question is, can the guy in the purple shirt and and the girl in the green, can they really be trusted? Hmm. They give you food every day, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they give you food every day. They put clothes on your back. Yeah. Yeah, buy your flip-flops. You think they can be trusted? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about school for a minute. Okay. With mom, right? Mom's teacher. What's your favorite subject? Microphone. guess I would say science because I'm I'm really good at that. All right, science. You like it? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so most kids would have a bunch of teachers, but that's not you. Mm-mm. You got one teacher. You got to teach everything. Got my brother, but he's basically like a tutor. Oh, okay, your brother tutors you? That's pretty good. So let's talk about how smart your teacher is. All right. What do you think? She is. She used to be an actual teacher. Oh, okay. For, um, pre-K? No, was it junior K or pre-K? Yeah, something like that. She used to be a yeah. teacher, and now she's teaching you? Yep. You think she does a pretty good job? Yeah, she does a good job. You're not ever afraid that you know more than her? No. No? She's no. pretty smart? No. You said no. I mean, yes, yes, yes. I mean, like, no, I am never worried. That no. <laughs> no. She just knows a lot. That's good. Yes. Right? Do you think you ever might know more than her? Uh, sometimes, but nothing educational. Yeah. We're not going to explore whatever that might be, okay? Okay. All right. So uh, how about when you get older, though? Do you think you might one day be so smart that maybe even be smarter than that teacher? Maybe. 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 All right. Let's talk for a minute about your brothers. Now, by the way, Anthony's got two brothers. Who are they? Austin and Aiden. Austin's older? Yes. Aiden's very small, right? Aiden's very young. All right. So are they good to you? Uh, The little one, he's good. Uh, I don't know what to say about the little one. But Austin, sometimes, yes. All right. Are you good to them? 
I've never really thought about that. Oh. <laughs> well, here's a different question. Do y'all take care of one another? Yes. In yes. what way? Microphone. Uh, uh, I don't really know. Don't really know. But you think you do take care of one another? Yeah, I do. Do you have fun with one another? Yeah, we we would go into his room and just like sit there for hours, like my, the older one's room. Like that's where most that's like half of the day we spend it in his room. Okay, almost sounds like your best friends or something. Yeah, brothers and best friends. Yes. You think you'll maintain that but close friendship? Yeah, I think maybe maybe it could yeah. stuff stuff could happen. Yeah, but you'll be friends. Yes. All right, just a couple more real quickly. Let's talk about dad. Let's talk about dad for a minute. So does dad ever tell you to do stuff you don't want to do? Yes. That was quick. Uh, 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 you got an example? Um, think, 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 think. Something he tells you to do that you don't want to do. Take out the trash. Take out the trash, all right. And when he tells you to do it, do you, do you do it right away, or sometimes you put it off, or what do, you, what do you do? It's usually, like, we wait to the last moment, like, outside when it's, like, dark and everything. And I do I do it, but I'm too scared to go outside in the dark, <laughs> so I bring my brother. So say that again. So I bring my brother, the older one. Oh, you bring your brother. Bring his brother along. But you do it, right? Yes, I do it. So that's good. I mean, I hope you would say that every time Dad tells you to do stuff, even if you might delay for a second, you would still do it, right? Yes. Why? Because why do you even why do you do what Dad says? Uh, can I not answer this one? Okay, you don't have to answer this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. One more question then. Okay. What is it like being a kid? I it's great, really great. You get to eat all the chocolate in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you like being a kid? Yes. Yes, I do. Is there ever a bad time? A bad time to be a kid? Yes. What is that kind of moment? Not being able to drive or get a job to get money or something. Oh, okay. Can't do those things. No. Do you feel like, do you feel like people pay attention to you when you're a kid, or they pay less attention to you when you're a kid? Around the house, more attention, but like out in public, it's like both. Okay. Way. What about like in church here? Are, are, are adults like all these guys mainly interested in adults, or are they mainly interested in children? Or what do you think? I've never really talked to any of you guys. Never really talked to them. Never talked to adults? Until today? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good doing this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank Anthony for a minute, if you will. You're awesome, man. <laughs> thank you, my brother. Anthony, you going to sit with mom and dad or you going back? All right. Hey, I really appreciate Anthony. Um, can I tell Anthony's story, Ronnie? You sure? Yeah. Anthony tripped me out this past week. I brought him to my office and I said, hey, Anthony, um, is it okay if I interview you this week? And he said, sure. And I told you, he told me the whole thing, is it going to be like the Ellen show? And I said, I don't know about that. And I said, well, listen, um, I said, what I'm going to be teaching about this week is uh, one time Jesus brought a child up in, the front of, in front of all these people, and he said, unless you become like a child, you won't inherit the kingdom. I said, do you, do you remember that? And he looked at me, and he said, did that happen this past Sunday? I missed it. <laughs> Boy, when he said that, I knew I had the right kid. I was like, well, I, I didn't even know what to say. Uh, he's awesome. And by the way, Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Ronnie, for sharing with us uh, that awesome kid. Hey, I just I want to I want you to, I want to pay attention to your notes for just a minute. You know, Jesus is talking about changing. I think one of the things that I want to point out to you is there's a lot of depth to this teaching that Jesus had. And on the left side of that outline, I've put a few things that I think are there to be learned. You know, children, there's a big word around this this station of life, and the word is they are dependents. Matter of fact, when we fill out our taxes, we even call them as such. They are dependents. They're dependent upon so many things. If you think about it, I put that little list there. They're dependent on, on their parents for almost everything. 
for shelter, for clothing, for food in their mouths, for education. They're taught by teachers, and every day they submit themselves. Most children are submitting themselves to higher authorities all the time. They're taught by teachers. They don't think they know it all. As a matter of fact, they're children, and they know they don't know it all, right? Because they're kids, and there's just so much of the world they don't know yet. Look at that next one. They're taken care of by their family, and they know that. And by the way, they might even take it for granted, but that's part of life. They know that they have a family that that takes care of them. That's what it's like to be a a child. You're dependent upon your family. So if there's sorrow, if there's heartache, if there's worry, if there's triumph, if there's victory, there's celebration, if there's laughter, you share it as a family because you're taken care of by your family. Another thing, they're led by their parents. The parents are actually the supreme authority, human authority in their lives. Now, there, there might be other adults But they trust mom and dad, and they are led by their parents. And when dad says do something, they know they need to do it. For multiple reasons, they know they need to do it. And they will do it, and they'll they'll obey that, right? And then look at that last one. Children are largely ignored in our society. By and large, the world functions around adulthood. I mean, just turn on your news channel. And on your news channel, see how often a child ever comes on the screen, right? The world kind of largely ignores children. What is Jesus teaching here? You got your pen. When I first started just trying to dig deeper in this thing, I started to say, God, what are you trying to teach us about us? If we really have to, listen, change, if we've got to turn, if we've got to become like something else, what is that all about? And what Jesus, I think, is teaching us in just a few levels, and you can keep going with this, is a few things. One of the things, if a child is completely dependent upon their parents, what are we supposed to be? Write in your notes there. God wants us as adults to be completely dependent on Him. Now, let me just pause there for a minute. Really? Completely dependent on God? See, one of the things about adulthood is when we become adults, we've learned this wonderful thing we call self-sufficiency, right? We've gotten to this place where we make our own money, we pay for our own stuff, and we have become kind of our own men and our own women. And we've learned to rely upon ourselves. We, re- we rely upon our talents, upon our, in- our intellect, our careers, and we become kind of what you've heard before as a self-made man, self-made woman. And I think one of the things that Jesus is challenging here is you really rely on yourself a bunch. You really make the shots a lot for yourself. You make the decisions. You make the plans. You make the dreams. And Jesus is saying, what would it look like for you to change? And to become like a child and actually turn over all that control that you've learned now as an adult. You have so much control, so much power. What would it learn like for you as an adult to become like a child again and just turn that all over to God? And say, God, if I'm really going to get this thing, if I'm going to be a kingdom citizen, if I'm really going to get the the word as it says, I've got to become like a child. And that means for you, I've really got to understand that you're my daddy, that you're my mama. And I'm going to be dependent upon you, utterly dependent upon you. By the way, as adults, we don't like to be dependent on anybody. Can I get an amen? We don't like that. I think one of the things Jesus is saying is, how self-reliant are you? And are you really willing willing to turn over control and turn over some of that self-reliance and become dependent upon me like a child is dependent upon their parents? Here's another thing. Yeah, if they're taught by their teachers, what what would it mean for us to be every day of our lives, every day of our lives, every day of our lives be taught by Jesus? You see, listen, many of you know this about me. I've spent the greater part of my life getting educational degrees. I'm a big advocate for education. I've went to school after school after school and some pretty big schools and gotten some pretty big degrees. And I think most of us in this room. You know, just not, not, not long ago, we put our hands on these graduates up here, some of them graduating high school, some of them graduating college, some of them getting their master's degrees. As adults, we've learned a lot, and we think we know a lot. But what would it mean for us to listen to the teaching of Jesus and go, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I got more to learn. For so many weeks coming up to this week, I've sat in this chair and I've asked you to I've challenged you, really, about the importance of a chair and a Bible for just 15 minutes in your day. 
and how that can revolutionize your spirit life. And what I was really saying in that process is, are you teachable? Are you open? Are you opening up yourself to the teachings of Scripture every day and saying, God, there's so much I need to learn about your kingdom. By the way, this is truly what it means to be a disciple, guys. A disciple is a learner, a person who says, I don't know it all yet. I've got more to learn. That's what being a disciple really is. And what Jesus is saying to his very disciples who said, hey, who's the greatest in the kingdom? He says, basically, which one of you is going to be the greatest learner? Which one of you is going to learn the most from me? Well, if children are taught by their teachers, are we teachable by Jesus every day? Are we journeying through our lives really saying, I already know it all, right? Here's another one. I just kind of want to keep squeezing with it if if I can. Um, We're taken care of by our family. Now, what would that mean for us? I think what Jesus is looking at them, some of them are his very closest friends. They're journeying together. What would it mean for us to open up ourselves and say, you know what? I'm going to let myself be taken care of by the body of Christ or by the church or by other believers. What would that look like? Instead of being the self-made, self-reliant person I am, what would it look like for me to open myself up and be available to other people to take care of me? That's, that's, listen, that's a very uncomfortable thing. But if I really look at a child, I notice that they are taken care of in a family. And I have to ask myself, well, what does that mean for me? And am I really being opened to being taken care of by God's family, by brothers and sisters in Christ? And that would mean when I was going through a hardship that I was vulnerable. It would mean when I was going through a, 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 a rainy moment in my life that I was real. And then I communicated it as such. And I opened myself up to be a part of the body of Christ to let them love on me, but then also I loved on them. You know, some folks are closed off to that. Take care of me. I don't really care about taking care of you. But what would it mean for you to open up yourself and take care of other people when they're going through their moments of need? Just a couple more as we kind of keep squeezing this thing out. I, I asked Anthony about, you know, being led by his parents, doing what his daddy said, you know. Dad says, do this. Will you do it? And I think one of the things that Jesus is trying to point to here is a child gives authority away. He has authority. Somebody else has his authority. And I think what Jesus is teaching us is we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. That might be in big things and it might be in small things. It might mean when, when, when we're praying over a big job and we don't know what to do, is it this way or that way, and we're trying to listen and we we're trying to be led by the Holy Spirit, listen. We're not just trying to make the decision on the, on the numbers. Oh, this is what the salary looks like. Or this is what the benefits package would look like. Or this is the pension. No, we're not doing that. We're, yeah, we look at that kind of stuff, but we're praying, God, would you lead me? Show me by your Holy Spirit where you want me to be. That's a big thing, right? But what about the small things? What would it look like for you to live tomorrow, Monday, with an ear towards heaven, if the Holy Spirit says, open up your mouth right now and give an encouragement to that person sitting at the desk right next to you, that you would listen to the Holy Spirit in that moment and you would be led like Anthony follows his dad. I love that, I love that he picked a moment where he was scared, right? Because you know what? One of the things I've learned is when the Holy Spirit starts talking to me in those, those easier moments or those not-so-earth-shattering moments, I get scared. I'm like, man, are you serious? What if they think I'm a weirdo or this or that, you know? And I just got to trust him, you know? I love that Anthony picked a timer. He's going to take the trash out. Dad, you're asking me to take the trash out at nighttime, but I'm going to trust you. I've still got to do it. I'm going to obey. What would it mean for us to become like a child and be led by the Holy Spirit like a child follows their parents all the time? Just squeezing it out for a minute more because I think there's so much more. Jesus is such a brilliant teacher. There's so much that we could squeeze out of this thing. Um, Children are largely ignored in our society. And I think one of the things that Jesus is pointing us towards here is he's saying, you know what? You need to go back to that, and you need to be so attentive and so paying attention to those who are largely ignored in our society, those who nobody cares about, those who nobody's paying attention to. My children are called to take care of those kind of people. Open your eyes up to that. Open your eyes up to that. Hey, Tom, can we go back to that scripture one more time? I want to go back to the scripture because I'm about to share a key word that I think is very important. The scripture that Jesus said, he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Watch this now. Whoever becomes, if you have your pen, circle that next word, humble. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest 
in the kingdom of heaven. If you've got your outline there in front of you, just write it down. Key word, humble. What Jesus is talking about is he's talking about this place of humility. He's talking about if you really want to get this, if you want to be like a child, you've got to be a place where you say, you know, I don't know it all, and I'm willing to be led by other people. I'm going to choose the humble place of life. I am going to seek after humility. Now, if you know the Bible at all, you know the Bible says that God is for the humble. God is all about the humble. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God opposes the proud and makes war against the proud. So what's interesting about that is I think one of the things, this is key word, guys. Jesus is saying, listen, you want to you inherit the kingdom? You've got to choose the low place. You've got to choose the humble place. Now, let's be honest. As adults, as adults, we need to look no further than our own pride. Our pride that keeps us away many times from being the people God wants us to be. Our pride. I mean, can, can we just be, let's just be real serious for a minute, okay? It's pride, oftentimes, that is the tough pill that we don't want to, we don't, we don't want to swallow humility. We would rather be that self-reliant, self-made man or woman, right? Listen, let's be real as we can get. When, we, when our children are small and, and somebody, you know, does something wrong to them, you know what we tell them to do? We say, use your words. And you need to forgive that person and say, you know, it's, it's, you know, forgive that person. But then when we become adults, what happens oftentimes is when somebody does us wrong, we get pride, right? And we don't do the very same thing we taught our children. You smack me, I'm going to smack you back. That's the way we live, right? We don't want to take the humble pill. We'd rather seek after the prideful place, right? And here's, the, here's another place of pride. Listen, I want you to honor me. I won't honor. Don't disrespect me, Right? Because we're prideful people. You treat me the right way. That's the, that's the way this world operates, right? We live every day in this kind of prideful place. We would rather, we would rather uh, somebody have to go back and say they're sorry before we ever forgive them. They need to deserve our forgiveness before we really give them forgiveness. As a matter of fact, we'll wreck the relationship wanting to make them say I'm sorry and make them deserve our forgiveness. What is that? What makes us do that? Pride. Pride. What Jesus is saying is, he's saying, listen, the kingdom of God looks different than the world. So, so the first journey is you grow up, right? And you, you become a person of responsibility, a person of maturity. That's who you become. You have a job and a career and you have a family. And you learn all of that. But then now what you've got to do is you've got to go back and you've got to take all that that you've gained, all of that stuff, that self-reliability, that responsibility, you've got to take all of that stuff and you've got to realize who you are. I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy, God is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to learn humility. I don't want you to look at all that stuff that you have, that's your house and your car, and be prideful in it. I gave it to you. I'm your daddy. I gave you all that stuff. So instead of you being prideful, I want you to be humble. And I want you, like a child, to rely on me every day. I want you to trust me every day. Listen, I don't want you to go to bed tonight worrying what you're going to eat tomorrow because why? Not because of your hand or you know your paycheck's coming, but because I'm your daddy and I'm your good daddy and you trust me and I'm going to feed you tomorrow. And you trust that I'm going to put clothes on your back and you trust that I'm going to take care of you and you trust that I'm going to lead you the right way. Really? Really, God? You want me to do this with this job? Go this way? Go that way? I trust you, Father. I trust you, Abba, Father. And see, what Jesus is saying, listen, in a nutshell, when he brought that child up there, I think what he was trying to say was, look at this little bitty one, and look how reliant and dependent he is on the world around him. If you want to be in the kingdom of God, you need to be humble like that, not prideful, because pride keeps God out. Humility invites God in. You know, it's pride. It's pride that we as adults make, you know, gives us that thing that I got to be right. I'm right all the time. I'm right. And saying, you know what? Maybe I'm not right about everything all the time. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's more grays than I think there are. Maybe it's not all black and white. What would humility, humility look like for you? <laughs> so this past week, we saw an incredible example of hubris of pride. 
And it was done by the top, top court in our land. And as the Supreme Court made this decision this past week about same-sex unions and that it would be the law of the land, I've got to tell you, there was a side to me that, that looked at that decision, and I knew it was coming, uh, the decision, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know what the decision would be. There's a side to me that looked at that, and I thought to myself, I, I hope, I hope we do the right thing. But when the decision came down, there was also a, a very big side to me that said, you know, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked at the decision of the Supreme Court to make it mandatory or allowed across all the states that same-sex unions would be the law of the land. Why am I not shocked? Guys, if we were very honest, our nation has been a land filled with pride. And across a number of years, across a number of decades, across a number of big decisions, both corporately and independently like the Supreme Court decision, we've made decisions that were not dependent upon God's law, not dependent upon God's teachings, that were our own ways. And we said, hmm, this is us. We can make our own decisions. And by the way, this is one Supreme Court ruling. I personally think years and years ago when Roe versus Wade was made, I think that was, that was a greater travesty than what happened this past week. We should be up in arms about children getting killed in abortions and the millions and millions of lives that have been snuffed out on our planet on our watch as Americans. And you know, what I wanted to share with you today was just a few truths as I close this message today, and then I'm going to call you to prayer. But, but one of the things I wanted to share with you was that what about, what about this church and what about me as a pastor? One of the first things I want you to know about the United Methodist Church is that the United Methodist Church does not follow the law of the Supreme Court. <laughs> that may be a shock to you, but we don't follow the law of the Supreme Court. The church has its own bylaws and our own rules. And we've made a statement, and the General Conference of the United Methodist Church is the only lawmaking body of the United Methodist Church. No pastor makes a rule, no bishop makes a rule, only the General Conference. And that's when all the Methodists from all over the world come together. We have said in our churches we will not allow same-sex unions and we will not allow our pastors to have same-sex unions. We will honor the biblical definition of a marriage between a husband and a wife. It cannot happen in the Methodist churches. I don't care if it happens in the state of Georgia or not. And no Methodist pastor can marry somebody of the same sex. It just cannot happen because that's our law. And you'll lose your credentials if that happens. Now this, this upcoming year, going to be down in Tampa, our general conference is going to meet again. And I think it's real important that we pray for those who are going to be gathering together and to make the laws of our church. And as a one voice, a global voice, we communicate to the United States of America and to the world what we believe about the biblical definition of marriage. I believe we'll do that. But we need to pray for our general conference. So that ruling that happened a couple of days ago, it really has no effect on this church. But you know what? It has a huge effect on us every day, on how we live and how we operate. Listen, I don't know what your political views are. I don't, I don't know what your, uh, your societal views are. I, I just know this. I know that God's called us to love the world. The great command of Jesus was love your neighbor as yourself. We need to learn how to love the world. That doesn't mean we have to accept uh, the things that are contrary to our scriptures about what we believe. And, and another thing I would tell you is, listen, last week I closed by asking you to pray for our country. This week I'm going to close much the same way. There is a lot to pray for in our nation. One of my mentors uh, in the last 24 hours submitted a, a blog, and, and I just I, I drew so much from his blog. And his blog said, you know what, a lot of people are going to be up in arms about the Confederate flag right now and about uh, this decision by the Supreme Court. He said, but there are at least three or four or five things that are bigger than this going on in our world right now that we got to wake up to. He talked about how young people right now are, are losing hope and what marriage is really all about. And some of them are just saying, why should we even get married? And they're just living together. And some of them are just wondering, you know, will we even make it? And they're not understanding that marriage for God was always the high road. It was a covenant relationship. 
and, and that's huge. The, 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 just the understanding of the covenantal nature and the biblical design of marriage is being eroded in our society right now. And that's a lot bigger, a lot bigger than just a Supreme Court decision. And as he wrote in that blog, he said, you know what? Another thing that's probably affecting America more than that decision is ever going to affect America is the fatherlessness of America. How many children don't even have a male representative or role model in their home? And they're not learning what it, what it, what it looks like to really father, follow a father figure and learning what it means to be a, for young men to become a man or for young ladies to be loved by a man. And that is causing poverty and crime. And there's so much in our world and our nation that is just coming from so many homes, not even having fathers in them. And then he talked about, and this will, this, there's a lot to be thought about here. He, thought of, he talked about transpirituality. What, what in the world is that transpirituality? And he compared it to all this transgender stuff going on right now. You know, when you're moving from one gender to another and you're basically confused, let's be honest, right? I mean, he talked about transpirituality. And that is people like us who call themselves Christ followers, but actually what we believe has nothing to do with the book. What we believe is so far removed from the scriptural that what we're doing is we're living in some type of trans-spiritual existence every day, calling ourselves followers of Jesus when we're not even following the real Jesus. We're following the Jesus of our imaginations. And guys, we have listen, the end of the book is very clear. It's going to get tougher and tougher, and the world we live in is going to get rougher and rougher until the king comes back. We live in a broken world, and it's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher. And as Franklin Graham said this past week, it's going to get a lot harder for Christians like you and me who are trying to stand on the word of God. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be hardship. But here's what we know. God in his providence put us on the planet for this time. He's given us a mouth to speak, He's given us a mind to think. He's given us a soul to believe and to love on others with. So we need to do that to the best of our ability. And we need to pray. Man, if there's ever a time that we need to pray, it's now. Pray in pride? No. Pray in humility. Saying, Abba, Daddy, God, we, we have been too self-reliant. We have been too self-reliant even as a nation. We've been too self-dependent. We said, look at who we are. We're a global superpower. All the world can learn from us. When right now, the foundations are eroding. This is the time for America to be a humble America. This is a time for Christ followers to, to learn from the teachings of Jesus and seek humility in a deep, deep fashion. Beg of God, God, your forgiveness we beg, Lord, for a, a sweeping uh, time of repentance for our own nation. God, we beg you to be our daddy God. Come and heal us. Come and forgive us. Come and bind up our wounds. Come and lead us, God. Help us. We're in desperate need. You know, what I've been talking about here today is I think when Jesus called a kid up, he was talking about more than faith. He was talking about more than innocence. He was talking about surrender. Because, you know, every day a kid gets up, the kid doesn't rule the world. You know what he does? He lives a life of dependence upon other people all around him, teachers and parents and people like yourselves. Live a life of dependence, and they live a life of surrender. And my question for you today is, what would surrender look like for you? Would it have something to do with the way you've been thinking? Would it have something to do with some ideologies you have? Or would it look something like, you know what? I've been holding on to forever my dreams, my hopes, my plans, my destiny. What would it look like to surrender? Maybe there's a mom or dad here. You need to finally surrender your kids because your kids have been all about your control. And you know what? We've got to turn our kids over at some point, don't we? we just got to surrender and consecrate them back to God. What would surrender look like for you today? Maybe it would be saying, you know Maybe I don't know it all. Maybe surrender for me this week, if I got real serious, would look like a chair and a Bible in 15 minutes. Just saying, Jesus, I need to be taught by you every day this week. I need to surrender every day this week. Teach me how to surrender. 
What would surrender look like for you? See, I bet it looks like something different for you than that person sitting right next to you, and it'll look different than my surrender. But the question is, you're hearing God's word today. Are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to embrace humility and reject pride? Because pride holds God out, and humility invites God in. Let me read that scripture one more time. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a child, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You must be humble like a child. This morning, I think I've only done this maybe once or twice in the history of our church. This morning, I'm going to ask, I didn't tell you this in advance, Jody. I'm just going to ask Jody uh, to bless us just by staying there for a good little while. And normally, we close out our service, you know, a certain way. But today, I'm just going to invite us to close our service in a different way. And I'm going to open up our altar, and I'm going to invite you to pray here. And some of you guys, uh, you might be called to pray personally. And some of you guys, you might be called to pray for our nation corporately. I don't know what God would put on your heart to come and pray for, but I, want you, I just want to open up our altar and invite you to come and pray. We need to pray. This is a season that I think the church needs to be deep in prayer. And as Christ follows, we need to be in prayer. And listen, here's we, we, we use a word around Harvest Point all the time, and the word is freedom. We say this is a free place. And so listen, it's quite all right. If you don't feel like God's calling you to a place of prayer here, you can stay in your chair and you can pray there. Or you know what you could do? You could just head on out today. Just head on out and, and go to lunch and have a great day. I know for me, I know for me, I, 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 feel a, <laughs> I feel in my soul an invitation today to get on my knees before God and talk to Him about my family, talk to Him about me, talk to Him about my church, and talk to Him about my nation. And I just wanted to open that up for anybody else who wants to come. You know, guys... If we're going to really get the gospel that comes out of Peter Pan, you can't be afraid of growing up. You actually have to be afraid of becoming, not becoming a child again. Let's embrace becoming children before God. Embrace humility and dependence upon our Father. So the altar is open. Thank you for being here today. I pray a great and blessed week over you. Now many people in this place are going to move to prayer. We'll close our service this way today. God bless you, Harvest.